Hello, and welcome once more to the History Obscura Reading Room. I do hope all of you are well. Personally, I'm not one to complain or even notice if I cannot leave the property for weeks on end, but some of the household are starting to scratch a bit at the walls. Also, the ghosts and naughty spirits of this old house seem to have come out in force recently. They have been hiding things, whispering in our ears and throwing around the teacups. I've had to lock up my good china. Drinking good tea from a mug is just... disappointing. Fortunately, I have an excellent story to tell you all tonight, so settle in and make yourselves comfortable. Owen, don't mind old Froggy howling in the background. She passed over years ago, but sometimes she still wants dinner. Are you ready? Good. Once upon a time, in 1903 to be exact, a man called Friedrich Jurgensen was born on the shore of the Black Sea in the Ukrainian city of Odessa. His mother was of Swedish origin, and his father, who worked as a doctor in Odessa, was of Danish descent. Friedrich described his childhood as harmonic up until the outbreak of World War I. But if life for the family was harsh during the war, the situation was about to go from bad to worse under the country's unstable political situation in the years following the Russian Revolution of 1917. Hunger, bloody street fights, utter poverty and illness were a part of everyday life during Friedrich's teenage years. Friedrich himself was a gifted and creative child, and his parents made sure that he got a good education. He studied music at the Odessa Conservatoire and painting at the Art Academy. In his paintings, he worked in a classical and realistic tradition, focusing on portraits, landscape, and still life. During his vocal studies at the conservatory, it was predicted that Friedrich would enjoy a bright career in opera. For several years after school, he made a living as a painter and a singer. But due to chronic colds, he was forced to resign from professional singing. One warm summer's day in the picturesque village of Monbo, some 60 kilometers south of the Swedish capital of Stockholm, Friedrich and his wife Monica enjoyed a quiet weekend of sunbathing. The cherry trees were in blossom and from early morning until sundown, the sweet summer air was filled with the sound of singing birds. Little did Friedrich know of the dramatic events that were about to change his life forever. Having noticed the clear and beautiful bird songs all around him that enjoyable afternoon, Friedrich strolled back to the house around 4 o'clock to collect his tape recorder. Machine in hand, he headed up the staircase towards the attic and installed the equipment with a microphone situated in front of an open window facing the garden. With a brand new tape in the recorder, he pressed record, hoping to capture the song of a chaffinch sitting in a tree outside the window. 
the bird's song came through loud and clear on the recording. But Friedrich was as puzzled as he was delighted over the results. The song of the chaffinch is, to his surprise, not the only sound captured on the tape. A deep male voice cut through the sound of the bird's song speaking in Norwegian. Surrounded by a cacophony of noise, the voice was most certainly not present outside the window moments earlier. In the background is the sound of a singing sparrow. All of a sudden, the sound of the sparrow disappeared along with the voice. The only sound left was the song from a distant titmouse and that of the chaffinch. Friedrich assumed that the recorder somehow had taped a Norwegian radio broadcast, but he had a hard time settling with this theory. The only radio receiver nearby was situated in the house across the garden, and upon further inspection, it turned out that the apparatus was switched off while the recording was being made. Of course, there was the possibility that under certain circumstances, a tape recorder could act as a radio receiver. However, was it not remarkable that Friedrich, of all people, who was searching for bird sounds, should receive sounds of Norwegian night birds exactly in that moment when he turned on the recorder. Was there an invisible intelligence that with such a remarkable way was trying to get his attention? As night fell on the estate by the lake, Friedrich excitedly reset his equipment, hoping to catch more instances of the disembodied voice. But nothing out of the ordinary found its way to the tape, only the peaceful sound of the summer night closing in on the garden by the lake. One month later, Friedrich was back in the attic with his tape recorder during a quiet night in Monbo. The crescent moon rose up behind the silhouette of the linden trees. Through the window, the clear, bright moonlight shone onto the tape recorder. The room was bathed only in a dim light, and Friedrich struggled to stay awake as the tape rolled on. Without warning, the red light on the recorder started to blink, indicating that sound signals were being registered on tape. As soon as the light stopped blinking, he rewound the tape and listened. At first he could hear nothing but noise, but after hours of listening carefully, he managed to discern sounds beyond the noise. Out of the chaos, a voice speaking in German emerged. It said, Friedrich, you are being observed. Friedrich was convinced beyond the shadow of a doubt that someone or something was trying to contact him. He would later say, Though it left me puzzled, it became clear to me that the transmission was meant for me personally. A few years later, enthusiasts and scientists across the world claimed to be making contact with the same unexplainable voices. Meanwhile, Friedrich's own theories on the origin of the voices were about to make him a persona non grata in established scientific circles. He could not get the mysterious voices out of his mind, and he was confident that someone had a message for him.
Determined to figure out exactly what was happening, Friedrich decided to devote his full attention to the voice phenomenon. He spent the following years developing the recording technique and creating voice recordings that were both clearer and more frequent. One day, while playing back a new recording, Friedrich heard the voice of his dead mother speaking directly to him. She said, You love. You live in love. Friedel, Papa lives. Many live. He played the distorted recording to his wife and his sister Ellie. They recognized the voice and agreed that the content on the magnetic tape must be a message from beyond the grave. In his book, Voice Transmission with the Deceased, Friedrich wrote about voices that describe a life after death. In that book, he said, How often have I not, on my tapes, gotten the following confirmed, and with what intensity the dead has been saying, shouting, singing, and reciting, We live! We live! And, Fredel, the dead live since they are not dead. Or, we are humans, the dead are humans. Autumn 1962 marked the beginning of a highly active period for Friedrich and the voices he by then referred to as his invisible friends. During the fall and the following winter, Friedrich claimed to make recordings of no fewer than 140 relatives, close friends, and others. The summer of 1963, Friedrich decided to make his private research public, and he invited the press to what would be the first of several international press conferences in Monbo. Prior to the conference, the chief engineer at the Swedish national broadcaster, Kajel Stenson, inspected the recording equipment and assured the audience that the equipment had not been manipulated, tampered with, or modified in any way. On the 14th of June, Friedrich initiated the conference by stressing the necessity of judging the phenomenon with an open yet critical mind. He advised that to eliminate any possible deception, including self-deception from the start, it would be desirable to form small research groups to make recordings jointly with the cooperation and, or in the presence of acoustic experts, radio engineers, experts in electronics, parapsychologists, and other reliable witnesses. During the press conference, a journalist from the newspaper Aftenbladet confronted Friedrich, questioning the researcher's conclusion that the voices he recorded were beyond the veil of death. Friedrich's answer was that perhaps the journalist could not entirely understand the phenomena. Maybe not until you yourself hear a voice that is clearly identifiable as a friend or close relative. Maybe then. The press conference altered Friedrich's quiet life overnight. The peaceful atmosphere in Montlo was replaced by journalists, acoustic experts, and researchers who wanted to hear of Friedrich's remarkable discoveries. 
but the interest he wanted the most was lacking. Friedrich was hoping that the press conference would be the catalyst for a systematic and thorough scientific research on the voice phenomenon, but no one seemed interested in doing critical investigation on his invisible friends. Disappointed, Friedrich said, Despite all the publicity and the positive testimony of widely known experts, there were no efforts made from the scientific side to get to the bottom of the phenomenon using technical methods. To reduce the cost of such research to a minimum at the outset, my wife and I had put our cottage in the forest, four rooms, kitchen, and a bath, at the disposition of researchers as an experimental and residential facility. We could not afford to do more. However, nothing at all happened. Serious scientists found Friedrich's alleged findings hard to believe. One of several recurring invisible friends on tape was Adolf Hitler, at one time in a heated discussion with Joseph Stalin. Einstein, Lenin, and Van Gogh were also among the voices Friedrich claimed to have obtained contact with. This led to extravagant articles in the tabloid press. Friedrich's initial theory on the voices being UFO-related may also have contributed to making it hard for scientists to take him seriously. Though, as he said, nobody bothered to investigate properly for themselves. Through science fiction literature and movies, UFOs were playing an increasingly prominent part of popular culture during the 1950s. Back when Friedrich made his first assumptions on the origin of the voices, it was while gazing at the dark night sky. Said Friedrich, Back then, the number of sightings of these mysterious flying objects had surpassed 100,000, and there practically was not a country in this world of which these mysterious flying objects had not been observed. The thought that there was a connection between the male and female voice on the tape and a crew of a UFO was not really that far-fetched. The peculiar language spoken by the voices in many of the recordings may also have made it hard for people to take the phenomena seriously. The voices communicated in a mixture of Swedish, German, English, Italian, and Russian, often combining several languages in the same sentence. The fact that Friedrich had mastered all of these languages must have seemed too far of a reach for his critics. Friedrich's own writings on voice entities, who were trying to establish contact with his poodle, and voices who preferred the full moon in order to make an appearance, probably seemed particularly odd to empirically oriented scientists. This led Friedrich to conclude that the greatest challenge in understanding the voice phenomena lay in our own minds. He said, I discovered the simple truth that the biggest difficulties and obstacles are to be found within ourselves, and that, without their removal, the attempted approaches by the invisible dimension of life could not be realized and would instead inevitably lead to new misunderstandings. Following the convention, 
Friedrich had a hard time convincing people that the voices he recorded were indeed from beyond the grave. But the idea of contact with the deceased by means of modern technology was far from new. Even Thomas Alva Edison, the legendary inventor of the light bulb, the phonograph, and the motion picture camera, was quoted in an interview with Scientific American in 1920 that contact with the dead would be obtainable with the right apparatus. Edison said, I have been thinking for some time of a machine or apparatus which could be operated by personalities which have passed on to another existence or sphere. I do claim that it is possible to construct an apparatus which will be so delicate that if there are personalities in this or another existence who wish to get in touch with us, this apparatus will at least give them a proper opportunity to express themselves other than the tilting tables and wraps and Ouija boards and mediums and other crude methods now purported to be the only means of communication. As you may have figured out by now, it is very much due to Friedrich Jurgensen's research that the modern ghost hunter takes along an EVP recorder to collect electronic voice phenomena. The idea is so popular among ghost hunters, alien researchers, and even people searching for evidence of ultra-terrestrials. Those are humans living side by side with us in different dimensions. That Friedrich's original methods have been expanded into a variety of recording methods. The latest invention in the EVP industry is the so-called spirit box, which cycles quickly through all FM or AM radio frequencies under the assumption that ghosts or other beings can communicate better through the static of a moving receiver. Friedrich, however, is no longer here to test these new inventions, though he probably would have shown great interest. In 1985, he held his last press conference. Two years later, he died at the age of 84. While the funeral took place in the village church in Hoor six days later, Friedrich's dear friend and collaborator, Claude Thorlin, sat in his home in Eskiltuna, 500 kilometers away. During breakfast that same morning, Claude's wife Ellen spoke of hearing a loud and clear inner voice repeating the words, Channel 4. Ellen had a distinct feeling this might have something to do with Friedrich's funeral. Claude immediately considered his wife's premonition, but there were only three channels broadcasting on the radio and two on the TV. Nevertheless, when the funeral started at one o'clock, Claude turned on the TV set and put it on channel four. Snowy white noise greeted him. He kept the channel on, and 22 minutes into the ceremony, a small glimmer of light started to expand on the buzzing TV screen. Claude took out his Polaroid camera and photographed the screen. As the picture developed before the eyes of Claude and his wife, a white figure revealed itself against the black monitor. As the contour of the ghostly white figure became clearer, 
Ellen spoke in a trembling voice. Oh my god, it is Friedel. There, wasn't that a lovely story? I know I always appreciate old friends stopping by for a visit, or just to say hello. Speaking of which, I think I'll go spend a little time with old Froggy. Maybe there's something expired in the larder that I can feed her. Thanks for joining me once again. Good night. Oh, do calm down.